Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Consider for a moment the story of Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu were Aaron's sons. They were in the the line of Aaron, Moses' brother. And Nadab and Abihu wanted to, they were in charge of worshiping God. They were in charge of offering the sacrifices and they did something that displeased God. They went to worship, but instead of offering the way that God had required it, they offered it another way. The King James says they offered a strange fire to the Lord. And the Lord struck them dead. It's, it's pretty shocking. Here they were, they thought they were worshiping the one true God. They they did not believe that they were going after other gods, but because they did not worship Him in the way that He required, the Lord struck them dead. And then we may think of also the the time whenever the the, um, Ark of the Covenant was being moved. The Ark of the Covenant was being moved and there were, I don't remember if it was one or two priests who when they saw that the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall, they wanted to keep it from being defiled. They wanted to to preserve it. Their motives were probably good, but they touched the Ark of the Covenant and God had commanded them not to touch it and He struck them dead. I think those things are to show us God cares about how we approach Him. He wants us to approach Him in the way that He has set forth for us to do. We don't go to God willy-nilly, however we feel like it. But we go to God the way that He has commanded. And you might think, well, that was the Old Testament. God's not like that in the New Testament. But then think, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to give a gift. They saw that Barnabas had given a gift. He had sold some land and he had given the proceeds of that land. And it was pleasing to God. And so they sold some land, but they kept back part of it. And they apparently lied and said that they had given it all. And the same thing happened. God struck them dead. Not because they had held back some of it. Peter said, you know, while it was yours, it was yours to do with what you wanted to do, but but you lied to the Holy Spirit. God still, even in the New Testament, cares how we approach Him. And then we, we know the story, Jesus going into the temple and cleansing the temple. They were treating God's house, the temple, in, in a way of, of turning it into a marketplace and possibly even cheating people within the temple itself. And Jesus, that's the one time we see Him getting angry. He goes into the temple 
and he dumps over all the tables and says, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And then you see um, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, talking about the Lord's Supper. They were abusing the Lord's Supper. Some of them were getting drunk, and some of them were pushing their way through the line and trying to go first and serve themselves. And Paul told them, you, you, when you take the Lord's Supper, you're taking it unworthily, and that's why some of you are sick. So it's not just an Old Testament thing, but it's also a New Testament thing. God cares how we approach Him. So let's look at our text tonight from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger, It was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we were not left to reach around in the dark to try to find our way to you. But you have revealed in your word, you have shown us how to approach you, and you have shown us that that can only be done through Jesus Christ, through the one who gave his life for us. He is the one mediator between God and man. Lord, we pray that you would help us to rightly understand this, Lord, that you would help us to care about how we approach you in ways that you have told us. But also, Lord, let us not be frightened by this text. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that when we approach you, we approach you boldly because of the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be with me. Give me grace as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. It's kind of a shocking intro there. Talking about all the times that God has struck someone dead whenever they thought they were doing the right thing. Maybe not Ananias and Sapphira. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. 
We ought not to to come and approach God hastily, but to to guard our steps, to to be careful about the way we approach Him. He tells us to draw near to listen is is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. So something about guarding our steps before we go to the house of God has to do with the way we communicate. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Sometimes we may want to come into God's house and just emote. (laughs) Just to let it all out. And sometimes we may want to come and just tell everyone everything we know. Especially the preacher. But here God is telling us it's better to draw near to listen. Uh, notice he says later, let your words be few. You know, with a, with a text like that, you know I've got to have a short sermon tonight. <laughs> let your words be few. It's better to listen, to draw near to listen than to act, offer the sacrifice of fools. Whenever it says... It's better to draw near to listen. I think one of the things we need to get from this is when we come, we're we're coming to hear from Him. We're coming, whether it be in the music, whether it be when someone's sharing a testimony of what God has done, when we we listen to the preaching, we're here to hear from Him. And, And I think that puts a responsibility on the preacher I am convinced that the regular diet of a church should be what's called expository preaching. Where you take the Bible and you you explain what the Bible is saying. There's another way of preaching, topical preaching. There's a time and a place for topical preaching. When you're teaching through doctrines and things like that. But here's my problem with topical preaching. Is it is it's very dangerous? It's very possible that a person, a preacher, can just come up with what they want to say in a very uh, organized way, what they want to say, and then find Bible verses to support what they want to say. But if we are to draw near to listen, then even the preacher needs to be governed by what the Bible is saying, rather than just spout off what he thinks thinks as people need to hear. Let the Bible set the agenda. Go through the Scriptures. That's why we go through books of the Bible here at Redeemer. Because we want to draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. What's the sacrifice of fools? Um, Many different things that I think it can be. I think it has the idea of communication because it's contrasted with, with drawing near to listening, to listen. The, the, I think the sacrifice of fools is to just spout, just to be saying things and, and not really be rational about what we're thinking, what we're saying. And I also think that uh, the sacrifice of fools can be just going in willy-nilly and not taking things seriously. Later he talks about vows. The sacrifice of fools may be... Uh, Making a vow, I'm going to do this, and then not living up to what you have promised. Those things can be the sacrifice of fools. 
for they do not know that they are doing evil. Just like Nadab and Abihu. They thought they were worshiping God. They knew who the true God was. They'd just been delivered from Egypt. Yet they did not know that they were doing evil. They offered strange fire and the Lord struck them dead. We need to be careful that we don't do this. We need to watch ourselves that we don't approach Him in ways that He's not told us to approach Him. Then verse 2, Be not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Again, he's very down to communication. Be not rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter a word. We need to think before we speak. Um, Now, now, sometimes that that may mean that a, a preacher needs to to have all of his notes written out. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> I study my text. I know what I'm going to say. And I, I just kind of have to flow with, go with the flow. Or it, it just, I just, that's the way I'm, I'm wired. But it wouldn't be good for me to just come up and open to a text that I've never looked at and just kind of let it go. I need to spend time in the Word. I need to study and know what is it that God is saying, what is it that, it that this text is trying to communicate, rather than just be hasty about it. Just, just um, being willy-nilly. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. He points out the transcendence of God, how He is in Heaven, he is, he is transcendent, he is, he is big and mighty, and we are on earth. We are just this small speck of dust compared to the greatness of God. When we imagine the fact that God is so big and so great and so glorious, and we are so small like dust to him, it ought to make us not hasty. It ought to to make us reserved. It ought to make us want to come to Him being careful. Especially when He gives us examples like that in the Old Testament of what He has done when people approach Him hastily. Like the, the two who reached out their hand to save the ark from falling. They were hasty and they disobeyed what God had clearly commanded Therefore, let your words be few. I've already commented on that. I need to keep this short, if possible. (laughs) It's similar to what Jesus says. When, When Jesus tells us how to pray, He says, don't go on with long prayers thinking that God is going to hear you because of your long prayers. And, and he, he says not to pray in, in, in front of people so that you can be seen and, and, and not to go on babbling like the heathens do, just saying repetitive words over and over again. But 
I think Jesus commends short prayers. Get to the point. He knows what we need to ask Him before we ever pray it. So praying a long prayer, it's not necessary. I think God likes it when we come to Him with short prayers. Then verse 4. Oh, verse 3. I'm sorry, I skipped one. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. We might get the wrong idea with the dream idea. Uh, You know, dreams are spoken of so positively today. I mean, dream big. You want to have a dream about what we want to be as a church, right? But I think this may be more the idea of of something that's, that's vanity. That's so much the theme here in Ecclesiastes of of vanity. A dream is just, it's there when you're asleep and then you wake up and it's gone. A dream comes with many business, much business, and a fool's voice with many words. Instead of being brief and being short to the point, um, you can show how foolish foolish you are just by spouting off and it's like the proverb that I was paraphrased. I've said this before, but the proverb that was paraphrased by Abraham Lincoln, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. There's a verse 4. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. I think here of Ananias and Sapphira in that case. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily... It, because they, they lied, I, I think there's a connection here. They, they said that they were giving one thing, and in that sense it was their vow. And yet, they didn't fulfill their vow. Instead, they held some back for themselves. And that was a sacrifice of fools, so to speak. He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. I think this also has a connection to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches there, don't make any vows. You've heard that it was said, but I say to you, don't make any vows, whether on, on the temple or upon God or upon uh, on the gold in the temple. No, don't make any vows. Just let your yes be yes and your no be a no. That's what Jesus tells us. Here, the preacher cautions us from making vows at all. Because it would be better that we don't make any vows at all that we, than that we would bind ourselves to a promise and then not fulfill it. God is not pleased with that. He wants us to keep our word. If we say that we'll pay someone, we need to pay them. If we say that we'll do something for someone, we need to follow through. God is not pleased with it when we're not people of our word. And he says, do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Sometimes a person might try to get out of saying what their word was. 
I know I promised this, but I didn't know about this and this and this that were going to happen. And they make excuses. Well, don't make the promise in the first place. God even cares about it that He would be displeased if we just say, well, it was a mistake. Or, or maybe someone might make a vow just not thinking, just being hasty, and then whenever it's time that comes to pay the piper, they try to get out of it by just saying, well, it was a mistake. I didn't really mean it. That doesn't please God. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? He returns to the theme of dreams. He says, For when dreams come, uh, when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So much of this text has to do with communication. Uh, he warns us don't come speaking. Don't come saying all the things that you can think of, but come to listen. Let your words be few. To come to the Lord in fear. Not not a, a trembling, terrified fear, but come before Him with reverence and with awe. So what does this mean for us? Our uh, bulletin, on your bulletin, you can see something that's been on there since the very beginning, since our very first week. It says, Welcome to Redeemer Baptist Church. We seek to worship in biblical simplicity, to reach out in culturally relevant ways, and to have Christ at the center of all we do. I think this is how we try to obey this verse. Guard your steps when you come to the house of the Lord. From the very beginning when we started, I want Redeemer Baptist Church to be a place of biblical simplicity. Not to add all kinds of things, but to keep it simple. Keep it dedicated on what we're supposed to be about as a church. Uh, you know, look at Acts where it tells us the early church, what did they dedicate themselves to? To the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to uh, um, breaking bread from house to house. Those were the kinds of things they devoted themselves to and those should be the things that we devote ourselves to. The apostles' teaching, to, to the Word, to hearing the preaching of Scripture. And, and to prayer, that's, that's one of the ways we are commanded to approach Him. And, and to the breaking of bread. You know, we, I feel bad that we haven't had the Lord's Supper recently. We need to do that very soon. We have some logistical things we need to work out, but we, those are the very things that He has commanded us in how to worship Him. You know, there are some denominations um, consider many of the real strict um, um, traditional Church of Christ denomination. It's a principle like this that's the reason why you wouldn't have instrumental music in a Church of Christ. They would say, 
on, on this principle, God has commanded us how we are to worship him. And they would say that musical instruments were an Old Testament ordinance. You see in the Psalms, you know, say, uh, praise him on the cymbal, on the, on the stringed instruments. They would say that's an Old Testament ordinance. But in the New Testament, you don't see those kinds of commands. So they don't use instruments. Now, Baptists used to believe the same thing. In the 1600s, the early Baptists would also sing just uh, just vocally without any instruments. And Benjamin Keach, an early Baptist, he was one who, who argued for the use of instruments. And, and he said, you know, in, in verses like Colossians, where it tells us to, to make music and melody in our hearts to God, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, he says those are examples. And, and particularly, I can tell you, psalms, the word for psalm is a word that originally had the idea of to pluck. So maybe a psalm was originally a, uh, and it's supposed to be a, a stringed instrument, just by the very nature of what kind of song a psalm is. And there are some other denominations, but I don't want to just pick on the Church of Christ. There's other denominations that only sing the psalms. There are some denominations that, that do that, and it's because they want to obey this. I don't want to put those down. In their minds, they're convinced that is how they obey this text. Guard your steps when you come to the house of God. We we may not all see how our convictions line up. I mean, some people may have one conviction about what it means, and some people have other convictions about what it means. The passage in Colossians that... James said, we ought not to be judged uh, by, feel like we're judged by other people based on the day that we worship or, or uh, regulations of don't touch this or don't touch that. We are to worship according to the way he has commanded, but at the same time, there is a certain level of freedom of conscience in that. What one person sees is perfectly okay, another person may, may have a problem with. And we need to have charity between each other and recognize and not bind each other's consciences on those things. And ultimately, I think it comes down to this. How are we to approach God? Here's the big question. How are we to approach God? There is only one way we can approach God, and that is through the blood of Jesus. We can't approach God by our works. We can't approach God by keeping a bunch of regulations, as Colossians says. We can't approach God merely by by fasting. We can't approach God by being just a kind of a super spiritual kind of a person. No, the only way we can approach God is through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews tells us we can boldly approach the throne because we have a mediator. who Jesus Christ, who stands before us as our advocate. Well, while I do think we should be careful as we approach God, not to do it in ways that we're not told to, ultimately, we're probably all going to fail at some point. We have Jesus. There's a story that I heard another preacher tell. It's not original to me. 
There was a little boy who went out to pick some flowers for a king. And the king looked out the window and he saw the little boy picking weeds. And, and, and the king knew that the little boy was going to bring him this bouquet of weeds. So the king said to his son, go out there to that boy and I want you to pick the kind of flowers that will please me. And so he goes out to the boy and he picks the flowers that would, he knows would please the king. And the, the, the king's son and the boy walk in together before the king. And the son of the king says, here, give these to the king. And the boy grabs the flowers from the son and he hands them to the king and says, I'm pleased with what you've given me. You know, we all fall short. All of our best attempts to try to please God all fall short. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. The only way that we can come acceptable to God is if we take His flowers, if His blood covers us, and we come to the King with what we have been provided in Christ Jesus. So we guard our steps as we come to the house of God. We come only by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook. 